Well, welcome to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Across from me, drinking his cup of coffee. I'm, nah, maybe Diet Pepsi in a mug. Who knows? His name is Shane Bishop. My name is Mike Wooten. We're glad you're joining us for the show today. Shane, what are you drinking in that beautiful mug? This is coffee. Oh. It's coffee, and uh, I limit myself on coffee. Oh, you do? I do. I try to only have three to four cups a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know that, Mike, that would be limiting yourself? It's limiting myself. It's showing restraint. It's showing restraint. Okay. As, as juxtaposed with how much coffee I would really <laughs> yeah, like to have. that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you throw in a few Diet Coke chasers, and, and you start to get the cocktail that sort of makes me run. Mike, I was talking to Don Frazier today, yes. our pastor of Worship Arts, and he was telling me that last Sunday he did something new Okay. on the nutrition end, man. Okay. Before church, he ate like a balanced, thoughtful breakfast mm-hmm. that had like all the components, and he said that for the three worship services on Sunday morning, he's never exited those with so much energy because he ate a thoughtful, mm-hmm. well-planned mm-hmm. breakfast. You know, our our Sunday mornings are kind of a gauntlet, Mike. How do you how do you like like fuel the old tank for Sunday mornings? I have a uh, cup of coffee before the first service. Mm-hmm. Have a cup of coffee after the first service. I have a cup of coffee after the second service, and I usually have a cup of coffee during the third. Then I go home or we have a meeting, and I come back here for the evening service, and I have a cup of coffee before that. I like it. I like it. You and I are much closer than either of us and Don. Yes. Yeah. So the only thing I would add to that is I shove carbs. So Uh like when I get here, Mm -hmm. I have a cup of coffee and then I eat like a scone, Mm -hmm. like a scone. I just kind of shove it down and then I normally get a Diet Coke or a cup of coffee in between sources. Sometimes I get both. Yeah. And then if I get hungry, I might eat another scone and then just carbs and caffeine kind of powering me through. And then normally speaking, I don't go home because I live a ways out. And so I, I have to keep moving throughout the day because otherwise I'll just crash. Did you learn this in seminary? No. Like, where did you no. learn this? Self-taught. <laughs> Self-taught. I'm like a lot of karate experts. Self-taught. Uh-huh. Self-taught on nutrition. Then you keep moving all day, yeah. right? So you add a few more cups yeah. of coffee, a few more Diet Cokes yeah. in, and then it's time to do church at night. Yeah. Bam, you, you hit it. And then you try to drive home. It's 30 minutes for me. I try to drive home before I pass out. Yeah. And I'm successful about half the time. And here's what I found. You've helped uh, teach me this over the years. I've it's, taught you so much, You've Mike. taught me so much uh, that you really do <laughs> on, on these days with the type of worship service that we have and the gauntlet you talked about. You really got to keep going. You, you can't do. just like, no. oh, I'm going to lay back for 10 minutes and, and just sit here. And you got to stay on top of things There's uh, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, you got to think like a shark not a leopard. A leopard is going to run after stuff and then be really tired and yeah. sit in a tree and sleep and uh-huh. then run after stuff again. We're not leopards, man. We're not. Sharps, sharks, if they quit swimming, they drown. Hey, I, And that's what we got to do, man. We just got to keep swimming, keep yep. moving, keep the fuel tank mm-hmm. going. Yeah. That's what we got to do. Yeah. And then for me, with worship on Mondays, if we have a really, you know, it's always about worshiping God, no matter what, God gets the glory. But sometimes we just have great worship services on Mon- on Sunday, and then on Monday I celebrate. I give myself yeah. like a 24-hour rule. Uh, if it went not like I hoped on my end of things, I give myself a little bit of time to, to reflect upon that, and then I just got to move on to the next week, well, You know, and to the for, next cup of coffee, Shane. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And for me, some of our best worship services uh, are, take a lot out of me. 
You know, yeah. we did a piece uh, for Father's Day. We invited fathers to come up. We prayed over them. We blessed them. And it took a lot of energy out of me. I mean, it truly, truly did. And sometimes on, on that Monday coming around, you just wake up on Monday morning. You feel like you played six ball games the day before, you know? Yeah. And so kind of managing that. Now, now, Mike, that brings up an interesting point. Okay. Interesting in the in meaning I want to talk about it, not that it would interest our audience in any way. Mm-hmm. They're but, used to that, Shane. Yeah, I I, I I get that. Yeah, and all six of them, I think, understand that, and they've stayed with us, and we appreciate it <laughs> we because really occasionally appreciate- we give away free things, right? <laughs> so anyway, I have found that pastors either take Mondays or Fridays off. Mm-hmm. The ones that take Mondays off are just like you mentioned, tired, and they need to, to rest before they get going again. For me, I'm kind of still hyped up a little bit on Monday. I still got some energy. It's mm-hmm. kind of like going to sleep after you play a baseball game. Mm-hmm. You still got too much adrenaline going to go yeah. to sleep. So for me, I do better to go ahead and leverage that into a work week. Mm-hmm. And then when I have all my work for the week completed, mm-hmm. I can take a day off on Friday. How's it kind of work for you? No, I'm good with that. I did have to condition. I may have mentioned this on the show before. Is that No for, one remembers it if you did. Yeah, we'll go back to episodes one, two, three, or four, one of those. Exactly. Uh, whenever I, for, for years, I had Mondays off, both in ministry and when I worked at a restaurant. Uh, we had the restaurant closed. Yeah. And so really, uh, even where I pastored at before I had Mondays off. So, so you're conditioned. Here, I had to really condition myself to working Mondays, but in ministry in particular, there's so many loops that need to be closed from Sunday. There's so many things that you need to get to for the next Sunday. I think working on Mondays is pretty vital mm-hmm. to keeping things going. And then having a Friday. So I just, for me, Shane, I just have to condition myself. I learned pretty young because uh, I had to go, I think because I had to go to work so early at a restaurant, it didn't matter what you feel like you ju- felt like you just had to get the work done. Right. What makes sense? What do you have to get done? And I think working on Monday, having good energy, closing loops, getting ready for the next week, it's just what needs to be done in, in my in my view. And then Friday is similar. I'm, I'm matching your pattern about get your work done and you can have some rest on Friday and or Saturday, depending on what's going on in uh, my life. Yeah, because sometimes we have to work on Saturdays. Sometimes and, we do. And that that's a given, but sometimes you don't. And so if you don't, you really end up getting two days off, which you yeah. start feeling like a normal person uh, when that happens. Yeah. Now, there's one thing I don't think we ever talked about before. Okay. So if I actually get two good days of rest, mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday, which uh, is kind of rare because there's usually right. something going something. on, I really have to get going early on Sunday. Because I, I've kind of been in that park gear, yeah, if you right. will. And yeah. so kinda of hard to get her moving. I gotta make sometimes there are some mornings on sun, early Sunday mornings I need to get up a little bit earlier. I gotta push a little bit harder just to get up to speed. Well what's gonna happen, especially in our context on a yeah. Sunday. Yeah. I've got uh I, I probably like Sundays the way that NFL coaches like Sundays. So I get pretty excited. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's even hard for me to go to sleep on Saturday nights mm-hmm. because I'm so pumped. So for me, I kind of wake up probably brighter on Sunday than I do any other day. Uh, I get up at 545 mm-hmm. in the morning and uh, just get ready ASAP. Yeah. By 615, I hope to be in my car. It takes 30 minutes to get here. And, and usually I do one of two things on in my car. I either listen to what we're reading with our Old Testament readings mm-hmm. as a congregation, yeah. or I may start a chapter before what I'm preaching on that Sunday and then extend it to a chapter beyond what I'm preaching on during that time. And a lot of times I'll hear something. 
that maybe I didn't catch before. Hmm. And so that's kind of part of my discipline. Yeah. But by the time I get to church, I travel in a t-shirt because everything's going to be wrinkled by the mm-hmm. time I got here. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time I get to church, I pull everything in. It's usually about quarter till seven. We pray at seven. I'm usually awake and, and ready to go. Right, right. Well, Shane, in just a minute, we're going to talk about being a man of God. But before we get to that, you were recently on a podcast, weren't you? Do you want to share anything about that podcast experience? I heard they worked you. Yeah, yeah. There's a new podcast coming out. It's called On the Dock, mm-hmm. and it's uh, Reverend Troy Benetone. And I got to tell you something. I, I think it's going to be pretty spectacular. I mean, they've got a studio, a real studio. Oh, we have a studio, Shane. We put a microphone up in your office, and we link it to your laptop. Okay. Yeah, that. So they have like a real studio with with real stuff, and mm-hmm. then they film it the whole time that you're talking. So like here, for example, there are times when you're talking that I leave the building entirely on our show. But on their show, I mean, you can't do that. You're, you're being filmed the entire yeah. time. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. I, I think it'd be safe to say that they've invested more in their operation mm-hmm. than we to date have put into our operation. <laughs> but at the end of the day, Mike, what really matters is the is the sweetness, the yeah. golden nuggets people yeah. get from these conversations between you and me. Like so far, I mean, we've been going, what, 10 minutes? And we've talked about nothing. And that's what our audience wants. <laughs> they want more of it. Hey, have these, <laughs> have these people given away like $5 gift cards to Dairy Queen or no. T-shirts or hats? No, no. See, See instead of giving away stuff to trick yeah, people into watching them, I think their plan is to have quality shows. And so that's different than what we do, man. We we just we just want to do shows and then we want to trick people into doing this. You know, people are saying, gosh... That was the 23 minutes I can never get back, but I might get a free hat, right? Boom. I mean, now we're talking. Now we're navigating change. All right, Shane. Recently, we had a Father's Day service at the church, and it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. You came up to the front. You had all the men in the congregation. They gathered in front of the altar. You invited your father up there. Your father said a blessing over the entire group of men that were there for every service. It was really cool. One of the things that you said that caught my attention was that because you had a dad who was a man of God in your life, you caught what it meant to be a man of God. Can you talk a little bit about that? And maybe we should just start, what does it mean to be a man of God? You know, when we think about Father's Day, it kind of frames this. I remember, Mike, when I was first coming up as a pastor, you kind of venerated dads on Father's Day the way you venerated moms on Mother's Day. And frankly, people, a lot of time would like preach a dedicated service. And basically, it was just talking about all the great things about dads. And I remember in 1990, I was at the St. James United Methodist Church in Manchester, Georgia, and I preached a typical Father's Day sermon, except I thought it was, you know, particularly brilliant. Mm-hmm. But anyway... Uh, a young lady was in the back, and she walked up to me after the service, and she said, uh, Pastor Shane, she said, I had a really terrible dad. He was abusive. He was an alcoholic. He didn't care about us. And she goes, I know not everyone did. But she said, I just couldn't relate. And it really hit me kind of for the first time that this is a little more complicated than we may have thought. I'd been here 
uh, about five years. And one of the prisoners stopped me, a man, after a Father's Day sermon. And he thanked me for basically not preaching on Father's Day. On Father's Day. And I, I said, where are you coming from? And he said, in America. He said, we're, we're in the Air Force. We go to a lot of churches and we move a lot. I think he was a colonel. And he said, we move a lot. But he said, the past several Father's Day, all churches do on Father's Day is beat men up. And he said, I don't really need it. And he said, it was really refreshing to come here and just hear the gospel. And you know what I've sort of morphed into is how can we leverage Father's Day to be a day that we kind of provide a model for what a man of God might look like, mm -hmm. where we celebrate the things that, that we do get right, mm -hmm. and where we can truly pray God's blessing upon fathers in the unique role that they serve. So for me, that whole piece of, of being a, a man of God, if we look at it in this frame, it all begins with saying, from a Christian point of view, first of all, what's it mean to be a good man? What's it mean to be a Christian man? Uh, what does it mean to be a good husband, a good son? a good friend? Mm -hmm. And then what does it mean to be a good father? And then we have to push it one step further. What does it mean to be a godly man, a godly father? So for me, Mike, I, I think something like Father's Day gives us an opportunity to speak into. And a big problem in our culture, mm -hmm. in my mind, is the abdication of fathers in the lives of so many children. And you don't want to bring fathers who are actually present in the lives of their children who come in on a Sunday and beat them up for yeah. all the deadbeat dads out yeah. there. So for me, it begins with, let's, let's give a snapshot of what a godly yeah. father looks like. Let's celebrate that. And then let's pray that the power of the Holy Spirit enables our men to uh, head that direction at the very least. Yeah, like you said at the beginning of that, it's very complicated, right? It is complicated, not, man. It's not what it is. Who not doesn't the, have a complicated relationship with their dad? Yeah, even in the best of even in the uh, best. circumstances, absolutely. And then when you're speaking to a, uh, a lot of people, yeah. it gets even more complicated. There's no doubt about that. But I love what you're saying is that let's try to elevate the good, mm -hmm. uh, get a snapshot of that, and then just try to speak good into these men's lives. And so it was pretty simple, Mike. Someone asked me, they said, what's the first step in becoming a godly father? I said, stick around. How's that? Just yeah. stick around. Uh, don't run off. Mm -hmm. Be present in your kids' lives. Yeah. Just stick around. It's a great place to begin. So part of what I want to do is... is is not make this brain surgery. Mm -hmm. uh, and part of what I want to do is, is help guys catch a vision for what a godly man looks like in that context. Yeah, and I think one of the keys with catching that vision, because you do got to do these snapshots. You do have to give these examples. Uh, part of it is finding a man that you respect. If you want to be a man of God, you got to find Absolutely. a man that you respect. And there has to be a little bit of modeling your life after that man and who knows if someone's taking a lifelong journey towards this maybe they didn't have a, a great father growing up or maybe they just want to be uh they want to grow in some other ways there may be a element 
of a person's manhood uh, that they are missing in terms of godliness, they maybe need to gravitate towards a man who is exhibiting that type of godliness and say, for this season or for these years, maybe I need to figure out how they have what they have and how I can uh, get it from them. Well, we've talked about this metaphor before, but if, if a man, if a young man wants to become a man of God, but he doesn't know any men of God, and he's not been around men of God, it gets to be like putting together a 500-piece jigsaw puzzle yeah. without the picture. Yeah. So finding someone to emulate, not that they're perfect, no. but just that you see some good in them. Yes. Better yet, finding that person willing to mentor you, yes. willing to talk to you. And, and part of the, how you do that is you ask questions. Yes. Uh, that is a great start because at least, Mike, you got a picture. You know, I think as a young pastor, you are going to look at pastors out there that are older than you who have either accomplished some of the things you hope to accomplish or, or have a ministry that yeah. you find truly admirable. Sure. You want to lean into that. You yeah. want to glean from that. And you know what? That pastor probably wants to share that with you. And that's really what we're talking about yeah. here. A lot of people didn't have a good dad, but did you know any good dads? That's right. And if so, uh, how can that be the picture to help you put That's the right. complicated piece of your own manhood and your own puzzle together. So back to the idea of just, uh, you said, just stick around as a father. Maybe someone's father out there did not stick around in their lives. Maybe they know they should stick around for their children, whatever stage their children are in, but they're having a hard time doing it. Find a man that sticks around, uh, has stuck around for their family. For me, it's really that simple. Yeah. You don't, that is the characteristic that a person is trying to exhibit. Find someone who has that characteristic, study them, like you're saying, ask them questions, and believe it or not, with a little prayer and a little time, before you know it, you may be sticking around as well. And you know what? One of the promises that Jesus gave us is that he will never leave us or forsake us. If you have a father who's left you or forsaken you, that's not a very good father to learn from. So, so find somebody yeah. who has those qualities. Yeah. And a lot of times it's not the person that's had a perfect life. I, one thing I, I recognized a long time ago, functional families and dysfunctional families a lot of times have a lot of the same amount of tragedy. It's just the functional people figure out how to work through it, how to stay at the table, yeah. how to learn, how to grow, how to develop a learning curve. Yeah. And a lot of these fathers you see, and they may be old dudes now and look perfectly harmless. Some of these guys have done some really dumb crap in their life, but they have found a way to redemption. And I think that becomes really, really important too. So if you're looking for somebody, find somebody who emulates the characteristics that you desire. The first one is, is stick around. Mm -hmm. I would say the second one is to just be involved in the lives yeah. of your children. Yeah. And the third one would be take responsibility for the spiritual welfare of your family. That's great. I was, I was beginning to reflect upon my journey and think about mentors uh, or father figures that gave me something that I did not have. Uh, something that I kind of got from them. Is there anything that comes to mind with you, Shane, whether that be with your pops or a mentor where you're just like, there's something about, uh, you know, maybe your dad or that mentor that you didn't have, but just being around them, it kind of rubbed off on you? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think a lot of what our fathers teach us isn't what they tell us. It's what they live in front of us. Mm -hmm. Well, my dad always lived in front of me was a man deeply in love with God. And, you know, I, I don't 
this sounds kind of odd in today's culture, but I, my confidence in my dad sticking around had nothing to do with my likability factor. It had everything to do with me knowing he loved God. He made promises, and he was going to keep those promises to his family. Mm -hmm. So for me, there was never any insecurity. Even if I uh, was not behaving well, mm -hmm. his love for me was predicated on something greater than my own behavior. Sure. And that's really what I, I picked up. That We might call it an unconditional love, mm -hmm. but I would say it's an extensional love. Sure. It's a love that starts with God right. and extends. I had a good friend some years ago. His wife asked him, she said, how do I know you'll always be faithful to me? And he looked at her and he said, because I fear God. That's right. And she told me, she said, that wasn't what I wanted to hear. She said, I wanted to hear that I was beautiful or that I was the most wonderful person in the world. But she said, when I really thought about it, his commitment to me was based on something unconditional. She said, if his commitment to me was based on my own beauty, I'm, yeah. nobody keeps that. Yeah. But his commitment was based on something greater than myself. Yeah. And that's where I think we find true security. And that helped you identify with a God who will never leave you or forsake you. Yeah. So whenever you had a dad who was just like, I'm going to be there for you, son. That's you, right. You may, I may need to discipline you. I honor you. God by being here for you. And I honor God by yeah. discipline. And so you, it wasn't this far out idea that you would serve a God that would never leave you or forsake you because you saw it embodied by your dad Yeah. in I a lot a, of ways. I had a crisis moment as a father. Uh, my son, we, he was probably senior year in high school. And, you know, throughout his whole life, Zach lo loved hanging out with me. And we had a lot of the same interests. When he was a senior year in high school, we began to have some interests that were different. And, and that's common and, and all that. And I remember uh, we had a confrontation of some fashion. I don't remember what. We, we had very few. But on this particular occasion, he said, Dad... He said, I feel like your love for me is conditional. He said, when I perform or do the things you want me to do, I feel loved. And when I don't perform or I don't do the things you want me to do, I don't feel any love from you at all. And I just stopped and I said, I am so sorry because you're going to think God's like that. And he's not. And I can't even tell you I'm not like that. <laughs> But I can tell you God's not right. like that. Right. And I am showing you a poor representation mm -hmm. of the love of God. And, and that has always stuck with me, Mike. Mm -hmm. I need to love my family as God loves me. Yeah, That's powerful. And also that shows how the man of God, the, the influence of, of being a man of God, even in a time where maybe you felt like you let Zach down a little bit. Absolutely. It still uh, was showing that uh, contrition you were showing and how you wanted to love him that shows godliness within your family line mm -hmm. which is which is cool even in the midst of our weaknesses and all of that god is still there my grandfather is the biggest influence on me growing up from a man of god standpoint i always think we have a little bit of connecting point i've heard you tell the story a couple of times about your dad about how if, uh, you saw faith as really uh not as a joke but a life or death uh situation yeah. without your dad was kind of behind the iron curtain right and now my grandpa didn't do anything like that but it was clear that in his household following christ was about following christ with all your life and about this wasn't that you should go to the point of doing whatever christ wants you to be obedient 
And so that always kind of stuck with me. I probably overdid it for a while, yeah, right. if you will, uh, but it was something that it, it brings connection to that man of God, to who I am in today, and sees, uh, you know, and helps me see God as when He offers me an invitation to to follow Him or to do what He wants. Is that that's a serious invitation? So that kind of transferred through my family line. Well, again, it gets to finding somebody. You know, one of the things I read a few years ago, it really stuck with me. It said that, that kids that grow up into troubled men mm-hmm. never find a positive, non-manipulative male figure in their lives. They don't find it. Yeah. Part of it is, is looking for those positive, non-manipulative male figures. But the other part of it is... Uh, being that for other people right. there are people that you know and i know mike we, we grew up with that didn't have a dad at home mm-hmm. and families are broken and they're broken for your generation exponentially more than they were for mine though a lot of people say we look the same age uh finding those men who are willing to say i i'm not your father mm-hmm I may not even be your grandfather. I may not be related to you at all, but I will stand in the gap yes. to be a positive, non-manipulative role model in mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. I had a friend uh, growing up who uh, had a father, to be sure, but but it wasn't a godly home. Mm-hmm. And, and it was real clear a part of what my dad did was extend our table to that friend because my dad wanted to show him a godly man. Yes. And That's how awesome. do we extend the table? Maybe you've got a 10-year-old uh, son or 10-year-old mm-hmm. daughter, and and they've got a friend that just mm-hmm. kind of hangs around a little yep. more than they should because they got nothing to go home for. How might you catch a vision mm-hmm. for being a man right. of God in front of, of those children as well as your own children? There's really two you know ideas there. Is that sometimes we really take someone under our wing. Correct. There are seasons where we can. There are people who have a gifting to do that. And other times we just become those men of God who are a walking example. Right. And, and that's really a lot of what you're talking about. You have a 10-year-old son who has a friend who comes over and you just need to operate like a godly man. Yeah. Uh, and then that other young man will see that in you. Um, but I do just think taking responsibility as a man of God, people are watching. It doesn't make us paranoid, but it is a part of just when we carry that mantle we are carrying a witness that's going to encourage and strengthen other men. Absolutely. And, and you know, those of you that are fathers, particularly if you're still raising kids, uh, what about deciding that you're going to be a little league coach, but your main goal is to provide the members of your team with a look at a godly man, a man who treats people fair, a man of integrity, a man who puts God first. I just know there's a lot of godly fathers lacking. Mm-hmm. A part of my question is, how can we leverage the godly fathers we have? Yeah. And then how can we gotcha. celebrate those that want yeah. to be? Shane, that is a great example with being a coach. Just a, a young man or a young woman who's really frustrated at their performance, you have an opportunity to go out there and be that godly example to them in the midst of them going through their emotions, maybe having a fit. Uh, and that five minutes in that type of situation may make an impact on them their entire lives. But I agree. We've got to leverage the men of God that we have. But I believe that if we do, we're going to have uh, our future will get brighter and brighter. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And the final thing I'd want to talk about, Mike, is is what is the difference between a Christian father and just a father? Mm-hmm. One of the things the Bible leans into is the idea that a man is the head of his household. And, and I think in, in a lot of ways and in a lot of generations, that has been sort of interpreted that, you know, man is the king of his castle and everybody else is the, the servant and, and all of that stuff. But when I really look at the scriptures and as I really look in the context of the history that surrounded them, what he's really talking about is uh, being a spiritual leader in your own home. Mm-hmm. I think God's best plan is mm-hmm. that the husband in the household mm-hmm. takes responsibility for the spiritual welfare of that household. So I really believe it's up to the guy to make sure that you're at church. And if you have a baseball tournament on Sunday morning, that you get to church on Sunday night or Wednesday night. I believe it's the responsibility of the father to make sure that devotions are getting held at home, that your kids are getting in youth group, that your kids know how to pray, and that they know Jesus. So guys, what I really want to say to you is, uh, I think this is on you. Now, if you're in a family where the guy's not there, and not going to step up. Somebody else is going to have to step into that gap. And praise God for the moms that have done that. And the grandmas and the grandfathers that have done that. But I'm just going to say God's best plan for the family is for the man to step up and say, the spiritual welfare of my family is on me. And I take that personal. And I just throw that out as a challenge to men who want to be men of God. What a great challenge to leave our audience with. Well, thank you for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Make sure that you subscribe, that you share our podcast. And as always, remember, make sure that you keep the change.